Saludos and salutations, Broncos country, and welcome to another exciting episode of Broncos Talk. I'm your host, Adan Diaz, and ladies and gentlemen, before we kick off today's exciting episode, I know I already said that, but it is so exciting, I wanted to say it again. Uh, I know a couple of you have reached out to me on Twitter, at a 6 foot 10 Mexican, shameless plug, don't care, <laughs> uh, about uh, if I took a break last week. Uh, just for clarification purposes, I don't know what happened. I recorded an episode. I uploaded an episode onto Anchor like I always do. But for some reason, I don't know what happened to it. It just disappeared. And uh, I didn't notice it up until... Uh, what, the, what day is today? Tuesday? Like two days ago? Maybe three days before? I remember. But it was over the weekend. And I really didn't feel like re-recording it and um, the, the thing is after i make these and before i upload them onto anchor i don't save like i guess you call it the rough draft or the copy or whatever it is i don't save that it just i upload it and then it goes away but then again i've never had this issue so uh, i do apologize I, 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 I guess you can call it a technical difficulty i don't know if it's on my part if it's on anchor's part I reached out to their support team, but from what I read on social media, Anchor support team is not the most helpful, uh, which is why a lot of people, instead of going to them directly, they go to the message boards and they try to get help from other podcasters. But uh, that's neither here or there. Uh, we're here to talk about the Broncos' fantastic come. Can you say comeback? No, 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 no. It's not a comeback. Defensive win. Let's say the defensive win because this was a defensive battle on both sides of the of the ball, mind you, meaning both teams. But the Broncos' defense outdid the 49ers' defense. And in the second half of today's show, we're also going to look forward into the upcoming matchup with those <laughs> those 0-3 Raiders who, good Lord Almighty, they can't seem to get ahead of themselves. But that could also be a trap game. Which uh, I give credit to my good friend, Mr. Boggins, on Twitter. Please go give him a follow. He was the first one to say it. And I didn't think about it until he mentioned it. And he's totally right. We could be heading into a trap game. So we're going to dive into that in the second half of today's show. But ladies and gentlemen, as I stated just a few minutes ago, in case you haven't done so already, please like, subscribe, wherever you guys are hearing this podcast. Whether it's on Amazon, Google, I think we're on Apple. I know I signed up for Apple. Uh, if you'd like to be a monthly donor, I'd really appreciate it. If you want to hit me up uh, at a six foot ten Mexican on Twitter, I'm always happy to talk uh, football and all business inquiries at Broncos Talk 2020 at gmail.com. So, with that being said, folks, you know what? Uh, what did I have? L- let's look at the record. Uh, the record that I set at the beginning of the season. I had us winning against San Francisco. So. And that was with Trey Lance slated, or slated? Yeah. Believed. Let's go with believed. Believed to be at the helm when I made this list. And even with Jimmy Garoppolo coming in, I was a little bit worried. And then George Kittle clears uh, injury, and he's coming in. And then everybody still remembers that really fucked up game from, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, where George Kittle and that whole San Francisco uh, offense just ran amok on, on Denver, especially the defense and Nick Mullins looking like uh, Patrick Mahomes out there that day. I mean, it was not, it wasn't pretty. It was bad. It was awful. And the Broncos had to get on that plane ride home just feeling like complete shit. So 
I wish I could say it was a bit of redemption for what happened in that game. Not on the offensive side. The Broncos offense didn't was not able to replicate what that 49ers offense did to us that day. But it would have been really, really fucking fantastic if they would have been able to do so. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd like to start off this, this story. Well, kick, kick off, start off? I remember. I'd like to start by kind of bringing into a, a start with a little bit of a story. And it's kind of like what I've been seeing with the Broncos offense these last three weeks. And, it, you know, obviously everybody remembers their first car. I know you guys remember. If you drive, like I drive, like millions of people in the world drive, you remember your first car. You'll never forget it. it. Maybe not the first one you ever owned, but at least the first car you learned how to drive in. My dad had a 19, I want to say 85, either 85, 86, or 87, one of those. It was in the mid-80s. I know that. Uh, Chevy Caprice Classic. That thing was built like a fucking tank it was made out of steel or metal it wasn't made from all that plastic shit that cars are made from today this car was i mean it was the real deal holy field and it was big it was bulky uh i remember uh, growing up there were a lot of uh people mostly young men who would come up to my dad and they wanted to buy the car off of him because they, and I'm pretty sure to this day, it's still the, it's the style where they, you know, they, those type of cars, you know, they modify them. They put big wheels and they don't use spinners anymore, but they soup them up and they look really fucking great. Don't get me wrong. I love the way they look after someone spends like a buttload of money on, on it. But uh, my dad would always say no, because my dad really loved that car. And when I was, uh, I was going to say towards the end of my tenure in, in high school, uh, my dad let me drive the car. He showed me how to drive, and a couple of times I would go off and just just ride around the neighborhood when I used to live on the north side of Chicago. And th- while I loved riding in that car, the one thing I didn't love about that car was because it was so old, and my dad really didn't have the money to fix every little thing that was wrong with it, you needed to go through like this long-ass process to not only start the car, but to get the car to stay on. And you had to do like all these little fucking things that almost took you almost three to five minutes. And you had to do it continuously every time. And then the car uh, would just go. And then when the car went, it would drive no problem like a dream. It didn't give you no trouble for the rest of the day. It was only every morning on that cold start. So if I remember correctly, you had to step on the on the, on the the accelerator like 10 times, turn the key, it would choke then the brake, then the accelerator, then the key, then the brake, then the accelerator, then the key twice, and then the the accelerator once, and then the brake like three times, the car would turn on, you put it in drive, it would turn off, put it back in park, and you redid the whole thing over again. And this was so annoying because um, it it was just like, a couple of times I just was sitting there, I'm like, I'd rather just fucking walk. (laughs) It was so unbearable. But just the fact that I was a teenager and I was so excited to drive, I just, I, I, I dealt with it. I lived with it. And, you know, not to get off topic, but just a quick little story on that story. Somebody actually tried to steal that car when we moved out here to the suburbs. And we got a knock on our door at like what was it, two, three in the morning. And it was a cop standing by the door and they, they just, they knew it was my dad's car because they ran the plates. But the car was literally parked like 
blocking the our street because the burglar gave up because he couldn't get the car to go so he just said fuck it <laughs> just left but he fucked up the steering wheel and he fucked up the ignition switch and i mean i i found it hilarious my dad was pissed off but i, I just i just thought it was funny um but anyways my point being all together is that this broncos offense it kind of reminds me of what it of of, of that moment of, of of that car that starting up the car and i was really hoping that by week three we'd get to the point where we could fix the issue where the offense doesn't have to struggle so much on these cold i guess you'd call it a cold start you know and a lot of analysts out there especially like the quote-unquote professional nfl analysts will will have you a lot of them are, are really some of them believe that Russell Wilson's washed. Uh, and a couple of them believe that, you know, this is Russell Wilson in a new team, in a new year with a new offensive coordinator. New co- Everything's new to Russell Wilson. So, obviously, the expectations of him coming to Denver, and you got to give it to, to him and, and the entire Broncos team for just hyping us up. Ever since Russell Wilson hit us with the let's ride at the beginning of the summer, I mean, we were all just... Uh, we were just all gone nuts, and we thought Russell Wilson was going to put up 100 points damn near every fucking game. Uh, and so it, it's fair for us as Broncos fans to be let down by this experience, to see the Broncos go three and out, to see uh, incompletions, and worst of all, to see Russell Wilson get sacked. I mean, I know I wasn't the only one that was yelling from his chair, like, for the love of God, run! Stop sitting in the pocket. It. I know he has to have pocket presence. And when we finally saw Russell Wilson do it and actually become that magic Russell that we've seen him do and be so many times in when he was with Seattle. Now, granted, most of those uh, plays where he had a scrambling shit was because his offensive line, it was complete ass. It was, it was cheeks. So he had no choice but to scramble and buy time until one of his wide receivers can get play. But and and that's fine. The Broncos offensive line is way better than what the Seahawks have now on offense. You, you can fight me on on that all day. Even Russell will tell you. Yeah, Russell Wilson did get sacked more than he would like to admit. But that's because Russell Wilson is holding the ball too long on some of those instances and he's not scrambling when he uh when he needs to. And I kind of believe, I want to believe that the reason he doesn't want to is because he doesn't really want to keep, uh, like being that type of, of runner where it's like, if he runs and obviously, well, first of all, I really don't want it now because you know, a lot of these defensive players, some of them don't, don't give a fuck. Even, even if a quarterback gives himself up, we still see it to this day. We see that one asshole that goes for that late hit. And I mean, that's all it takes. It's for a hit like that. Like, yeah, you'll get a flag and, and 15 yards, but putting your quarterback at risk, I know I'm not the only person who, who kind of like gasps or, or, you know, clenches the armchair or whatever when they see their quarterback run and you don't breathe again until you actually see them slide <laughs> and not fumble the ball or, or have nothing happen to bad happen to them. But basically, I want to believe that this Broncos offense... I know I'm getting off topic and I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I want to believe that this Broncos offense is going to be a lot like starting up that car where, yes, it takes a long fucking time to to get it started. But once it gets started, it's smooth sailing. 
And on and if you don't have a defense like the Broncos defense is, then uh you you don't get that you don't get that time to try to get things started. If the Broncos defense wasn't as great as it was and and, and the 49ers let's say just you know stomp us out of the field, then it really doesn't matter if Russell Wilson gets his uh gets going in like let's say the second half sometime because by that time the Niners rest their their, their starters and you know you got second and third stringers and then yeah all of a sudden Broncos march on the field. I mean we've seen it happen in football all the time where you know they, they give up what they call garbage touchdowns but this was a defensive battle going going both ways and uh, I want to sit here and tell you folks that you know everything's gonna be all right and and i actually will i i will tell you everything's gonna be all right is it gonna be fantastically all right honestly no not if the def the defense the offense doesn't get their shit together as they're these this these broncos cannot keep playing in this format and expect them to the defense to keep bailing them out you know, and that's the format that the Broncos have kind of the formula they've relied on ever since they won the Super Bowl afterwards from 2016 until now is where they had games where the defense was still relatively better as good as it was in 2015. But with every passing game, you had injuries and with every passing year, you had more and more players obviously, you know, leave the team or retire or whatever. Living in a world of suck, as our good friend uh, Emmanuel Sanders put it, was kind of where we got stuck in and for every single time the broncos try to build a rocket ship and blast the fuck off of that planet it just that rocket ship just kind of seemed to break down and then they crash land right back in on there so i want to sit here and believe that these broncos can actually make the playoffs and they can this defense is good enough to carry them into a playoff run just like the 2015 defense was good enough, as they said, to carry them into a playoff run, but not win them a Super Bowl. And then they went out there and proved them wrong. Which, by the way, I know I said this on Twitter earlier. Follow me as, as a, uh, at a 6'10 Mexican. Uh, I want to apologize to our defensive coordinator because I know at that very first, after that first game against Seattle, I know I gave the defense shit. I gave the defensive coordinator shit. I sat here and I told you that I've uh, I I knew we were going to take a step back defensively, but I didn't think we'd be doing backflips and all that shit. So I admit when I'm wrong, Ollie Crow on that. So I apologize to the defense for for you know just I don't I don't know if I want to say for feeling that way, but for thinking that way and not believing so much in what this defense. And granted, this defense was great without Justin Simmons playing. So. They just have to hold out for, what, three more weeks? And then we get Justin Simmons back. And if that defense can keep playing like this for the entire season, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, again, my apologies to the defense and my apologies to the defensive coordinator. I was totally wrong. I jumped the gun. I guess my emotions got the best of me. And you guys went out there. And, not, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't the only one that, you know, got shut up this past Sunday watching that that great defensive uh, game go down. So, and in in I guess in, in in closing on the offensive side, 
I guess patience is what I would preach. And that's uh, something that we as Broncos fans, I know we don't want to hear, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because the, the Broncos spent so much fucking money uh, paying Russell Wilson for the future. They paid, they gave up a King's ransom to bring Russell Wilson to Denver. And that's all understandable. And it's great to be frustrated or great. It's, it's okay to be frustrated. I should say, <laughs> you know, seeing the three and out, seeing the drop passes, seeing basically feeling like the, uh, what did Eli Manning say yesterday that they should have paid the $250 million to the punter, <laughs> which is it fucking, it, it hurts to read, but it's, it's funny. I mean, you, you got to admit it's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so shout out to special teams and the punter for that guy went out there, what, eight fucking seven, eight times, had to punt the ball and special teams for getting it down to the one and for the defense for getting that safety that the special teams set up. So it was great to see the special teams going out there and, and actually doing great things as special teams because you know the special teams was one of the biggest achilles heels for these broncos for the longest and it's great to see the broncos not have to worry about muffing punts knock on wood that doesn't happen but and also you know it makes uh george payton look really good for not having to cave in and pay sam martin who's a good punter mind you but he wanted big big money to stay in Denver and uh, George Payne went with the ladder and then Sam Martin went off and he got excuse me he signed a, a one year deal with the with the Bills <clears throat> sorry at a late dinner <laughs> and <clears throat> basically the the offense is going to be good they're going to be okay and again, patience is not something we here in Broncos country want to hear offensively. We want to see touchdowns. We want to see amazing plays. We want to see not the defense being put out there more time and getting worn out because the offense can't hold their own and have to go three and out and, and all that shit. I totally understand that. And, I, I, and I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. The question is, when is it going to happen? Is it going to happen this weekend against the Raiders? Or is it going to happen after the bye week? Or is it going to happen two weeks from now? Or is it going to happen next year? Because the offense just can't seem to click together in time to to take the Broncos into a, for a postseason run. I mean, that's really the million-dollar question right now. And a lot of pressure is getting put on the, the head coach. And anybody that's over, that's out there saying fire Nathaniel Hackett, just just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Don't, don't stop. He gets a Cinderella year just like every head coach out there gets a Cinderella year. Now, I know what you're saying. There have been a few exceptions. There have been a couple of one-hit wonders. But those were on different teams, different issues. And we don't give a fuck about that. But I'd like to believe that George Payton is not that type of guy where he pulled the trigger that quick on Nathaniel Hackett. If anything, I probably wouldn't be surprised if they got a new offensive coordinator at the end of the season if if this offense doesn't pick it up because then I feel the offensive coordinator would be the scapegoat instead of Nathaniel Hackett if it got to that level of desperation where they had to kind of put the blame on somebody. But... Bringing in a new offensive coordinator for a guy like Russell Wilson, I don't think would be the answer because then you're kind of 
kind of tiptoeing around the problem instead of solving it, and then you could be back to square one where the Broncos' offense struggles in another season, if that were the issue. But I think everything's going to be okay. We just need to be patient. I'm sure the touchdowns are coming. I mean, after you saw that, that magnificent drive by Russell Wilson and the offense just putting it just putting in the work and in one drive they were able to kind of let Broncos country breathe for a little bit and beating a team as talented as the 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 49ers even with Garoppolo whether it was Garoppolo at the helm or if Trey Lance didn't get hurt I it's a big victory it really is and me personally if that was Trey Lance back there I don't even think they get that touchdown they probably would have settled for field goals because Trey Lance, he's more mobile than, than Jimmy Garoppolo, but he doesn't have the type of experience that Garoppolo has acquired. So, and, and you know, granted the 49ers, they had that one drive where they just literally marched down the field and scored, but that was the only one. After that, the Broncos defense, shout out to the defense. Give it up, folks. Round of applause. Uh, they stepped up. Uh, the, the pass rushers, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb, got in there and got in that face they went and, and, and I, I guess probably one thing that I kind of wish they would do going into next year if they can change the rule where if you get a moment like that where it's a safety they and they should uh, allow the head coach to make a decision instead of going with the ladder which is it, like on that play if, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't step out of bounds Bradley Chubb has the interception, and that that's that's six points right there. So they should make it where they should let the the coach of the uh, the, the scoring team decide if they want. Just like on a regular call, on a regular flag, they let the coach from uh, the opposing team accept their decline. So in that case, they should let the coach decide: Do you want the safety, settle for the two points, and get the free kick? Or do you want the, the six points for the, or, or, well, it would be, if it's a touchdown, I guess. So it's either you want the two points or you want the touchdown. And obviously they're always going to say touchdown, so maybe they wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't know. But that, that, that was just my thinking. The Broncos would have been, uh, they would have had a better, a, a better safety blanket with if they would have gotten, been able to settle for the six point uh, touchdown uh, pick six instead of the safety. Like, yeah, they get the ball back, but the way the offense was playing, uh, it was kind of really, uh, there wasn't a lot of confidence in the offense to take advantage of that, that free kick and, you know, turn it into more points. And I believe that was the drive where they actually didn't do it. But guys, let's give it up for Patrick Sertan. I mean, the man is, oh, he's amazing. He, he really is. And I, 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 I talked to my, my best friend, Eric. We talk almost every day. We have a group chat. And I know sometimes uh, I, I'm, I'm actually trying to get him to come on the show and talk, uh, just be a guest. But one of the things that he always bring, bring, uh, brings up to me, and I don't know if he's actually trolling me or, or if he's actually stating a fact, uh, is the fact that, uh, you know, I was one of the few people who went on the Micah Parsons that Michael Parsons should come to Denver because he has uh, character issues and all that. And then the Cowboys go and pick him up, and Michael Parsons is one of the best linebackers slash, I guess you can call him a pass rusher now, in, in the league. No doubt about it. So while Denver may have missed out on the Michael Parsons, uh, I don't know if you want to say train or parade or party or whatever, 
settling for Patrick Chetan is just as good as if they would have gotten Micah. I would have said the same thing if it would have been the other way around where the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken, the Cowboys actually wanted Patrick Chetan. And if he would have fell to their lap, they would have taken him or they would have probably moved up to get him. Uh, and I would have said the same thing. I'd have been like, yeah, you know, I was, I, I, first of all, I would have probably said I was wrong about Micah. And then I would have been all praising him and, you know, saying, hey, you know, PS2 is, is great or whatever. But if I'm not mistaken, on my draft uh, mock board, I had the Broncos picking Justin Fields because I thought they were going to settle for Fields last year. Uh, but that, either way, it, it, it's great to see Pat, Pat, Patrick Chetan out there because he kind of gives you those those Champ Bailey uh, vibes where even though he hasn't had like plays where kind of like Trayvon Digg plays where you know taking interceptions and going he had that really really great one against uh the Chargers last year where he picked off Justin Herbert and that's great and everything but just being able to see him go out there and shut out the the opposing team's number one wide receiver is just amazing and that's exactly what he did and that whole secondary actually did you know, uh, kudos to PJ Locke and Caden Stearns who went out there, and it's it wasn't. I'm pretty sure uh, they had all obviously all eyes were on them trying to cover uh, for a guy like J- uh, Justin Simmons while he's out injured. But they went out there and they did they they did their work. They did a great job. Uh, Kareem Jackson thankfully uh, didn't do anything stupid, where you know he didn't give anybody concuss or you know. And basically, the flags. After two weeks, the Broncos finally cut down on the penalties. I think they only had four, between five. It wasn't, it was single digits. I know that. It wasn't the double digit flags we've been seeing from the Broncos in the last two weeks. Uh, especially not as bad as Monday Night Monday. It was, like I said, that, that game should have been sponsored by Tide or something. <laughs> it was, it was that bad. So... Basically, what it came down to is the 49ers were picked by almost every fucking person in the world not liking the Broncos. That's basically who everybody thought was going to win that game. The 49ers, Jimmy G was going to go out there and put on a show, and George Kittle was back, and you know Debo Samuel is, is great and everything, and the Broncos shut him down. Shut that shit down completely. And it was crazy because after that game... Everybody starts shitting on on Jimmy on Jimmy Garoppolo after they were just singing his praises a week ago, after he went out and uh, uh, he came in and, and beat Seattle. Uh, so it, it it's kind of it's kind of weird for that franchise, especially their fans, to all of a sudden turn on on their quarterback. They should actually be happy that the the 49ers actually went and. And get and cut a deal to keep Jimmy Garoppolo because if they didn't keep Jimmy Garoppolo and, J- and Jimmy left or got traded or something, not knowing that Trey Lance was going to go down with a season-ending injury, they would have had to have dealt with I don't know who's ever I was going to say Andy Dalton, but I think he's with the Saints if I'm not mistaken, or have to call Cam Newton up and say, hey, you want to come play some football <laughs> or settle for some undrafted rookie? I don't even know who the backup for for the Niners are is right now, so. Jimmy is as as 
as fucked up as it was that he stepped out of bounds and he pulled in Orlovsky, you know, it's great for Denver, but bad for the Niners. And then he threw uh, the, what was it? Two, yeah, the, I guess he was two interceptions uh, in that game. Was anything short of you got lucky because it should have been, a, the score should have been a whole lot better. And the 49ers were just, that, that defense was, they did a great job. I will admit at keeping Russell Wilson, not just at bay, but just kind of rattling him. It took advantage of the fact that the right side of the offensive line, uh, I, I didn't even realize, I totally forgot that we had the backups in there uh, on the right side of the ball. Cameron Fleming and uh, who was the other one? What was it? I, thought, I don't know if it was Glasgow. I think it was Glasgow or whoever the other one was. Can't remember. Uh, but Glasgow is not the, I don't know. I'll have to check my notes on that, but I do know that we're getting we're getting back uh, uh, our, our starting our starting guy Billy Turner is supposed is slated to start this weekend, and so is Quinn Miners. Thank God, because Quinn Miners, while he may not be the best at in some in some aspects, in other aspects when it comes to bullying people and just pushing people around, you can tell he was deeply missed because Javante Williams has had some of his best runs when Quinn Miners is in there bullying people and pushing, even if he has to put Javante on his back and carry him for like five, ten more extra yards. That man will do that. That man is a monster when it comes to the run, uh, run defense or run offense. And it, it's, it, he, it, he needs to come back. And hopefully he'll be back and hopefully that offensive line can get healthier and they can give Russell Wilson the time he needs to be Russell Wilson. But I guess to kind of close the first half of today's show is basically we while we want to see improvements of Russell Wilson, we kind of also want Russell Wilson to be like Russell Wilson, which is you know, if he has to run and pull some magic out of his hat, so be it, but just stop taking sacks. Stop sitting in the pocket and I mean, I really have shouldn't have to sit here and tell a guy like Russell Wilson, you know, to stop doing shit like that. But hopefully these are things that he can clear up and hopefully the offense can get started like my dad's old Capri's and get this offense going so then they can be at a level of relevancy and they don't always have to def- depend on the defense uh, to, you know, to get the job done and get the W. So, with that being said, guys, that's going to do it for the first half of today's show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the second half where we look forward to Raiders Week. We'll be right back after these kind words. And we're back. If you're just joining us, guys, we recap the first half of Sunday Night Football against the 49ers. And, uh, and now we're going to talk about the second half. Or second half. Well, the second half running to look forward to the next game which is up against the all three Raiders <laughs> and you know one comment one thing that I will say uh, and, and I saw uh, the, the Colin Cowherd's uh, hierarchy the top 10 I really thought we were going to be at least number 10 and unfortunately we didn't crack it so I will say I'm a bit disappointed in that regard 
And especially simply for the fact that when Colin opened up his show on Monday, he opened it up defending Denver and saying, you know, Russell and, and it's going to be okay and all that stuff. So he gave Denver their props and everything. And I really thought that was going to be enough to catapult us at least to number 10. But not even that, not even an honorable mention. But yet the 49ers are still, they got up to, to what, number seven. And, you know, oh, they had a bad game. It, like, it threw me off. Like, I can't, for the love of everything, I can't understand that man's logic. That man was hyping up the Broncos so fucking, this is almost like the Drew Lock thing all over again. And then all of a sudden he can't even, he only gives them acknowledgement whenever the Broncos have win a game but when they lose a game oh shit does he remember that for the entire fucking week <laughs> uh but then again that just that could be just me looking at this from orange and blue colored glasses i really don't care that's just my two cents but anyway i also did read on social media that uh, and i forgot who said this i think it was in one of the power rankings that the the afc west in general is not as hard to play in as people thought when the schedule first came out and and after free agency after all these teams yeah i forgot to mute my tablet (laughs) after all these teams kind of just started you know making their rosters full and you had russell wilson to denver and you had Devontae adams to the raiders and the chargers with khalil mack and the chiefs with uh well they don't have the cap for anybody else i don't think so uh they they added a couple of pieces, but it wasn't no no big free agency signings. They lost Tyree Kill to the Dolphins, so I'm pretty sure after you will after they you see that Colts game that they really really missed him. Uh, but anyway, it's it's I I never thought that the Raiders. Don't get me wrong, as I hate all those three teams individually. I hate the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders because that's what being a Broncos fan or a football fan. You you have to hate the people in your division because the Super Bowl is only enough room for one person at the top of the mountain, one team. So, you know, get respect the hell out of them during the offseason and, then, you know, GG's at the end of the game about how which way it goes. But at the end of the day, you want your team to win, and especially against division. The division games, division losses hurt more than almost any other type of, of loss in the NFL. So... To see the Raiders being going into this game 0-3, and, and it wasn't like they... I guess the closest one you could say they narrowly lost was the Arizona game, but they let the Cardinals come back, forcing overtime, and then Hunter Renfro not only fumbles the ball once, but he fumbles it twice, and then coughs it up, and then the Cardinals just take it back for a score and, and win the game and literally silence the entire crowd in Las Vegas. And then them not being able to stop Derrick Henry, uh, especially after you get a guy like Chandler Jones, who they paid a lot of money for, uh, and and their defense wasn't able to stop him and let a a team like the Titans, who had just gotten throttled by the Buffalo Bills just a few nights before that, and then lose to them, give them, if I'm not mistaken, their first, yeah, that was the first win for Tennessee because they had lost to the Giants in week one. And, and Buffalo following week. So, them going into this game. And to, to kind of recap what I something I mentioned at the beginning of the show, where my good friend Mr. Boggins mentioned that while it is good on paper, and especially going into this game at, in a high, 
you know, seeing as how the Broncos are coming off a big win off of the 49ers, they're on a two-game winning streak. It's not to take the Raiders uh, for granted. And don't get me wrong, I really hope, as I said at the beginning of this show, you know, the catalyst for the, the Broncos offense, it wakes up and, you know, they go out and put up points and the defense goes out there and just makes their car and the Raiders' whole day just as miserable as possible because this is something that we owe the, the Raiders. We, we owe them an ass-whooping because everybody remembers how that last Raiders game uh, last year turned out, and it was not fun. It wasn't pretty. And But when you look at the, at the AFC West right now, it's, it's, it's in a weird, weird place where if you, go, if you were able to go back and tell your former self what three four months ago when all this hype started that the Raiders were going to go 0-3 with the roster they have no injuries the Chargers were going to be severely injured more than normal and they got they were going to get throttled by the Jacksonville Jaguars of all teams and I I guess the only thing for the I guess the worst thing you can say about the Chiefs is that uh, but but it was to be expected that Patrick Mahomes, while he has Travis Kelsey and he's Patrick Mahomes and he can throw a ball upside down or whatever, when you don't have a guy like Tyreek Hill who can spread the field out and you still have Chris Jones doing Chris Jones stupid shit and for some reason your special teams tries to get cute with a fake punt for some fucking reason and you lose to the Colts who are considered one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. And you told your former self all that shit was going to happen, they would probably laugh at you. Oh, and the Broncos offense was going to severely struggle. Like, in previous years, struggle. Like, they would laugh at you. They would probably tell you to get back in your portal or your machine and get the fuck out of here. Because they don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> Especially not the Broncos part. But it's it's really weird. It, it, it honestly is. And for the Broncos, to take a quote out of... Uh, one of my favorite TV shows, Breaking Bad, the Broncos have to tread carefully because this could be, as stated on Twitter uh, from my good friend Boggins especially, it, it could be a trap game where the Broncos go in all confident and then the, the the Raiders somehow find a catalyst of their own and you know they make an example out of Denver and then Denver has to go back home against uh, the Colts the following week and uh, going two and two. So that's something that the Broncos don't need. Now, the, the way the defense played, though, is really, really inspiring. And it's giving you hope. Because if the, if the Broncos defense can hold a team like the 49ers, one of the most talented offenses in the NFL, with one of the most talented offensive minds, in the NFL, and a guy who a lot of people believe should have been chosen head coach over Vance fucking Joseph, <laughs> then there's really there's hope for this team yet. Even though it's easy for us to get kind of swayed by public opinion, especially on Twitter, it's easy for us as Broncos fans to get swayed by NFL analysts, and it's also easy for you to get swayed when you hear it on other podcasts from. Uh, especially Broncos affiliated podcast everybody's gonna have their opinion and that's perfectly fine you're entitled to it but at the same time while you have your opinion you kind of have to try to keep it be real and kind of be prepared for the latter in terms of in case shit 
doesn't go the wrong doesn't go the way we're supposed to because then what's really hard is for us to kind of for anybody i should say that goes and saying oh the broncos are gonna go and you know stomp out the raiders 30 40 something to like 10 and then the, the opposite happens like i said the raiders find their groove and they beat the Broncos once again, and not only do they beat the Broncos, but they, they, they shut them out or they beat them in a you know, blowout or whatever. Then it's kind of be like, it's, everybody's going to have to try to find a point to blame. Is it, was it Nathaniel Hackett's fault? Was it Russell Wilson's or the offense or the offensive coordinator? Did the Broncos defense not all of a sudden take a giant step back from that you know great game they played the week before on primetime? I mean... That just that finger is just gonna spin on the blame on who to blame, and it really doesn't matter on who it lands. It's gonna be like it, it'll just be nuts. In other words, so I guess what I'm trying to say is basically the Broncos' offense should it really needs to wake the fuck up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I already said that once earlier today. I'm pretty sure I've said that before in previous podcasts. But that that's just the God honest truth. Because on one hand, the Raiders could be the team that the Broncos could make an example of and say, hey, the offense is here. They found their groove. We're 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 back. And on the but on the other hand, should the Broncos do something like that, and I expect the Broncos to win. I think I have the Broncos to win, matter of fact. Oh no, wait, no, I I have the Broncos. I picked the Broncos to lose this one. Uh, I have them split. I have them winning one and losing one. I have I picked them to lose this game because they're playing in Vegas, and then I picked them to win in Week 11 when Vegas comes to Denver. So, but I do remember I said that I would love to be wrong on my divisional picks, and I would always be down for a sweep. <laughs> and the way the Raiders are playing, that just could happen and I mean especially when they play the Chargers in two weeks I mean the Chargers just lost one of their best offensive linemen for the year and I think they lost one of their wide receivers out for the year they didn't have JC Jackson they didn't have uh, Nick Bolsa I think also got hurt I mean the uh, Herbert was dealing with a, a, a rib injury that I'm pretty sure may have only gotten worse as the game went on I mean th- that team is they're used to being beat up but not that beat up in especially this early in the season that's the type of shit you usually see at the beginning in training camp or in preseason and then you know they kind of make modifications and they're able to get by and then shit usually hits the fan for them towards the end of the season but to have the chargers get throttled by the jaguars in that fashion and with them dealing with so many injuries it kind of sucks because you want to be able to play, especially your division rivals, you want to be able to play them at, at their best. That way, the win feels... Like like the win over San Francisco, to me, feels a lot better than the win over the, the Texans. Just for the simple fact that the, the win over the Texans was expected because the Texans are one of the worst teams in football, if not the worst. I think they're ranked 32 in almost every fucking power ranking I read. And that was to be expected. The Monday night fiasco that should have been a win there should have never came down to a 65 yard fucking field goal and we all know the seahawks are terrible they've gotten their ass handed to them twice uh so it 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 just oh man i mean 
it, it's it's nuts. So basically, the the Raiders are we we just don't want to be the one that the the team or the the matchup where the Raiders kind of find themselves and you know find their fire so to speak and you know use the Broncos as their as their first win of the season. We don't want that to happen. We really don't need to. But basically, going back to my previous point, you want to play. That's that's one of the things that Russell Wilson said in his press conference when he came to Denver is he wants to play the best of the best. He doesn't want to play the backups for the Chargers, and he doesn't want to play the backups for the Raiders or the Chiefs. He wants to play each team at their best. And if the Broncos lose, you know, fuck, you know, at least we know where we have to, you know, fix things and get shit cleared up. For when round two comes around later on in the season, but if if you play the the Chargers now in that condition, if I mean that's that's not beating Herbert at his best, you know. And yeah, it's a win, but then it, it's not like as Broncos fans when we win, all we see is you know stars and W's, and we're out celebrating on Twitter and drinking or whatever, and we don't really get bring we don't get brought back to earth until kind of like last year last year when the broncos went three and oh and all of us were singing their praise and we're like oh shit it's gonna be great we're going off and then everybody's like yeah but it was the jets and it was the the giants and it was uh uh um what was the other team i can't think of the other team well it was three easy teams oh it was jacksonville yeah it was jacksonville jacksonville giants and and the jets yeah, those were three easy wins. Wait till Baltimore comes into town. Then you guys are going to be, you, you know, if you beat Baltimore, then, then yeah, you guys will be they taken more seriously. And Jacksonville came, and we all know how all that shit went down. It was not good. <laughs> so, basically, the Broncos have to tread carefully going into this game. They cannot take their car lightly because we've all known how explosive Josh Jacobs as a running back can be. They have Devontae Adams now uh, as, as a wide receiver. Hunter Renfro has always been a, 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 st- a thorn in Denver side. And Darren Waller, who's one of the uh, really, I don't know if best is the right word, but he's a really good tight end. One of the, one of the, okay, I'll say it. One of the best tight ends in the league. Maybe not currently, but in previous uh, years. And I know because I've, I've had him as a, a on my fantasy team in previous years, I mean, the man put up points. And one of the things that, that as again, another thorn that's been on Denver side for the longest is, is tight ends. We saw how bad the Broncos got beat by tight ends on, uh, on Monday Night Football two weeks ago. But I like to think that the Broncos have kind of solved that problem because George Kittle, who is one of the best tight ends in the league, did not run amok on these Broncos on Sunday Night Football. And his catches were limited. He didn't have any explosive plays where it was like, oh, shit, you know, Kittle ran for 40, 50 yards by himself on a deep fly route or some shit. You know, it was all just like these quick quick plays. And, and it was really hard for the Broncos' defense to kind of keep a, a team like the Niners who are skilled and running back and, you know, Debo and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and... They have so many playmakers, and for the defense to go out there and did what they did was spectacular. So, I guess one of the keys to the victories for this game is number one: don't take this team lightly. You know, if, if 
the, the I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be another game where the defense goes out there. The Broncos defense goes out there and spends more time on the field than the offense. For some reason, I I just have a fucking feeling that's going to be it. And I really don't, and I really hope not, because this is not one of those games where uh, the the Broncos offense needs a start begins to struggle and they can't find a groove until the third or fourth quarter where they have one great fucking drive. Like we can't always expect the offense to, you know, fuck around and, you know, go three and out or throw a pick or get sacked or whatever. While it's great to have that mentality that the defense is going to force one of those, it's great. But obviously the longer your defense is out on the field, the more tired and winded they're going to get and the more likely of them to make, you know, miss a, a, a... a play or a route or whatever or give up a, a big play I guess is, is the, the point I'm trying to make is likely to happen and then the other key to victory is the one we've been talking about for the last what, what are we at now 48 minutes or so it's just Russell Wilson the whole offense needs to wake the fuck up they, they really do and Actually, I want to kind of comment on Melvin Gordon. I read an article. I don't know if it was from a legit Broncos source, but it was just uh, the headline said why the Broncos need to move on from Melvin Gordon. And like I I kind of laughed at that because while I am a a bigger fan of Javante Williams than I am Melvin Gordon, Javante can't run every single time. The man needs to have a break. And yes, while I'm... I already picture Melvin Gordon fumbling a ball in my head. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but you kind of need a guy like Melvin Gordon because while I do wish he would protect the ball a little better, when he gets those cuts or whatever, and he, he had the, the, the scoring, the, the only Broncos score of that night that he, he committed. I'm not saying that Javante Williams couldn't do it, and I kind of wish it was him because I, I have him on my fantasy team. I was still able to win my week, but he was able to be that guy and should knock on wood. Javante Williams get hurt going forward. You know, you need a guy like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I still like Mike Boone, but Mike Boone hasn't seen enough time. Like those other two running backs were, I don't know if he can be a conditional, uh, you know, every down back. He probably could. And, you know, him and George Payton go back to, to their days in, in Minnesota. But right now, Mike Boone is more of a, uh, special teams player and he could be called up to be a, a running back should the the Broncos need one in you know in a third form sense but uh, basically my point is just you know lay off of Melvin Gordon I know last year I said that he wouldn't be a Bronco this year and, and obviously I was wrong so they brought him back and I guess as long as he keeps taking these team friendly I want to say team friendly deals it wasn't another uh what was he getting paid 16 million or something like that like a shit ton of money from when Elvin offered um, when Elway offered him that two-year contract, and I'm pretty sure he, he he knew that his value on the market was nowhere near as good as what he got uh, with with Denver, which is why I believe he decided to uh, re-enlist. Re-en- Can I say re-enlist or re-sign? Because I don't want it to. I hate how that almost sounds like the word resigned instead of if you don't emphasize the word re-sign instead. Of, uh, Sorry, I'm weird. Uh, re-signed with the Broncos for another, I believe he's on a one-year deal. It's a team-friendly deal. It's not hurt. It's not breaking the, the bank, so to speak. But 
you, you need a guy like like Gordon on your team, even if he's not the number one back. Having him as a number two back is perfectly fine with me. I like I said, my biggest issue with him is when he he totes the rock a little bit more than a player or two. Then I kind of worry like, oh shit, where's the ball? <laughs> or please, you know, hold on to that ball like it was a child. You know, hold him close. Don't let him don't let him go. Oh man. But in in retrospect. This is a very winnable game for the Broncos. The Broncos can win this game. It, and I, I really don't want to sound too cocky, but they should win it with little to no issue. Just for the simple fact that the Raiders are in a bad place right now. They're 0-3. And, you know, tempers are going to start to flare. Uh, I, I can't imagine that for the for having the head coach go in and having a backdoor or, or backdoor is probably not the right term, but a closed door meeting with the owner of the Raiders and uh, Josh McDaniels after only three games in is not a good sign. So basically, the Broncos just kind of have to kind of ride the two game wave that they're on, and you know bring that momentum and intensity to Las Vegas. And just, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of Broncos fans there just as much as there. I want to, I would like to believe that there's more Broncos fans in the Legion Stadium. Uh, you know, whether it's fans that make the travel from nearby areas, some that even come from, I, I read on, on Broncos, on the Broncos uh, media post that there was a couple of people that flew in from Germany. They flew in from fucking Germany to come to Denver to see the Broncos play on prime not only just on prime time but against the 49ers and get a w so i'm glad that those nice folks went uh are gonna go home if they haven't already uh, with a win in their pocket from their favorite team so uh to recap tread carefully broncos uh broncos offense needs to get their shit together and put points on the board you know don't always rely for a pick six or you know brandon mcmanus to go out there and Oh, hope to God that he makes and doesn't try to go for another, you know, record tying field goal or whatever. But the play calling and the from Nathaniel Hackett was better this game around. You know, at least whoever he has in his little ear, that guy that he hired, I forgot his name, but so far it's been working out. <laughs> so let's keep that same momentum going. Uh, I I feel confident that the defense is going to come in and they're going to put. Uh, man, I, I want to say they want to put they put a hurt on Carr. They they cause him to be uncomfortable, and they just kind of keep De- Devonte Adams versus Patrick Sertan. Sertan is going to be a really interesting matchup. I'm guessing if he lines up, if he lines up against uh, Ronald Darby, that'll be kind of not. That's not what the people want to see. People want to see Devonte Adams versus PS2 and. You know, we already seen PS2 shut down, go up against DK Metcalf, and I want to say he won that matchup uh, clearly. So, and I hope Derek Carr throws in his direction. I hope he's braver than Jerry, than Jerry, than Jimmy Garoppolo was, you know, and, and tries to test PS2's patience. And he, that, you know, PS2 makes a big play. I hope Randy Gregory and, and, uh, and Bradley Chubb, who I believe are the best. Uh, rushing attack duo in the AFC West. Hell, I don't know if I can say in the AFC entirely. That's probably a little too far-fetched. But in the AFC West, there's no doubt in my mind they're the best tandem. 
They're better than Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa. Khalil Mack is great, but not on his own. He needs that counterpart to, you know, help him be that menace that he was when he was with Chicago and in his previous tenure with the Raiders. And the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs have Chris Jones, but uh, Chris Jones just can't seem to keep his foot out of his mouth and can't stop doing stupid shit. And the fact that he's still with the fucking Chiefs is anything short <laughs> of a miracle. And for the Raiders, yeah, they have Max Crosby and, and, and Chandler Jones, but Chandler Jones has been pretty quiet. He hasn't really done anything since he came over from from Arizona. So I know Max Crosby was, uh, I saw his name in a couple of mentions of him in this previous game against the, the Titans, and he's a really good, he's a really good rusher, but he can't do it all on his own. He can't rush from both sides at the same time. So uh, hopefully our offensive line can hold off that, that pass rushing attack. And like I said, basically take away whatever little momentum the Raiders try to build and don't let the Broncos be the stepping stone for the Raiders to, you know, start, you know, turning their season around. Cause we're so used to the Raiders starting off great. Then by like middle of the season, they start to suck and you know, they turn into the Raiders. So it's kind of weird to see the Raiders going into this game and they're zero and three. And even so, I think the Broncos are still rated underdogs, but then again, Vegas, I guess Vegas is trying to defend their own team and say, Hey, you guys, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going on a limb and saying that, you know, you guys are going to beat the, the Broncos. So, uh, then again, I'm not a gambling man in that aspect, so hey, time will tell. But guys, it's going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Just want to remind you guys a couple of things, as always. If you want to reach me out on social media, on Twitter, you can tweet me at a 6 for 10 mexican Say hi. Talk football. Questions or comments about the show. Always welcome. Any business inquiries, you can reach me at uh, broncostalk2020 at gmail.com. Uh, as always, I say at the end of every podcast, or I try to remember anyway, please support all Broncos media and uh, sports articles is that the right term or media media in terms of you know podcasts and, and, and you know I know there's a lot of good people out there that write Broncos uh, articles for you to read if you don't have time to listen to podcasts but whatever any sort of Broncos that's reasonable because I have heard that there's a couple of Looney Tune people out there with, with crazy uh, theories, but whatever it's, it's Broncos at the end of the day. So I guess if, if you like it, hell, I'm glad for the people that, you know, <laughs> come in and listen to me, uh, once a week. So, uh, thank you guys as always. Let's go out there and kick some Raider, but I don't know why I said, but I could say ass now. Rephrase that. Let's go out there and kick some Raiders ass, <laughs> bring back a three and one back home to Denver guys. See you guys next week. And as always, Go Broncos!